Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast with your host, Brad Johnson. Brad's the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, the largest independent insurance brokerage company in the U.S. He's also a regular contributor to Investment News, The Wall Street Journal, and other industry publications. Welcome to the Elite Advisor Blueprint, the podcast for world-class financial advisors. I'm Brad Johnson, VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, and it's my goal to distill the best ideas and advice from top thought leaders and apply it to the world of independent financial advising. Today, I'm throwing in another bonus episode, as this is a guest appearance I actually had on the Generation.mom podcast. It's hosted by Lara Schulte and Jen Rout. Special thanks to Taylor, Lara's husband, over at... Define Financial, who made the intro after we traded multiple messages on Twitter that ended up leading to me dropping him a copy of the family board meeting book in the mail. And this is a bit off the beaten path, but with Father's Day right around the corner, I wanted to share this episode with you all. One of the common themes I've run into over the last decade coaching, hard-charging, ultra-high-achieving financial advisors is how tough it can be to balance a business that never turns off with your family. And that's the bulk of what we cover in this conversation, the blessing and the curse of being an entrepreneur and navigating being a dad, a mom, a husband, or a wife, all at the same time. And we dive into a bunch, including my own struggles with balancing it myself, many of the frameworks our family has implemented with success, and a number of the books my wife and I have found valuable along the parenthood journey. This is definitely a different type of conversation and not as business-focused, but many of you have expressed the value in past episodes like the one with Jim Shields, that have made a difference for you. So I decided to include it as a bonus episode. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. And this is an episode you may want to grab your wives for and listen in with them. One other thing before we get to the show, as my special gift to help celebrate Father's Day for those of you listening in, if you'd like a copy of Jim Shield's book that we talk about a lot in this episode, The Family Board Meeting, which is probably at this point my most gifted book of all time, here's all you need to do. Number one, I ask that you leave an honest review out on iTunes for our show. You can visit the link bradleyjohnson.com forward slash iTunes to make it easy or scroll down on your mobile player. Number two, once you've left a review, just drop us an email via brad at bradleyjohnson.com with your iTunes username and a mailing address and we'll drop you a copy in the mail as a thank you. That simple. Also, all the additional show notes, books mentioned and people discussed, as well as a full transcript of the show can be found at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 59, that's 59, or simply by scrolling down on most mobile podcast players. So that's it. As always, thanks for listening in. And without further delay, my conversation with Laura and Jen, hosts of the Generation.mom podcast. Welcome, Brad. We are so happy to have you on the show today, especially because we are gearing up to celebrate Father's Day this week. And it is important to us to highlight parenthood from a father's perspective. We hear so much from other mothers on the show, but never from fathers. So we are so excited to be highlighting fatherhood and talking to you. So for the listeners, I was introduced to you by my husband, Taylor, who has followed your work professionally as you're both entrepreneurs in the financial world, but he's also admired you from afar as a father during a time that he has been growing both his business and his family and seeing that you've done so successfully. He just recommended we speak to you about fatherhood because you've really impacted his life as a dad and as a business professional. So we are so excited about that and officially want to say welcome. 
Well, thank you, Laura. What a way to intro into a show. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think what, what's been really cool, how we connected, it just shows the power of podcasting and the power of, you know, social media and Twitter, I think was where Taylor and I connected. And I, I think I, I followed him somewhere along the way, just because we're both in financial services. And uh, he put a, a post up about, I mean, he was really, he was just real. You know, it wasn't one of these like glamour posts that you see on Facebook or Instagram. It was like, Hey, being a dad's tough sometimes, and I have a tough time balancing it sometimes. And it was something about I think you guys were out doing something. I was like, Hey, have you? I recommended a book. You know, I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'll just send you a copy because it made a big impact for for myself and my wife and our family. And so it just speaks to the power of being able to connect. And it's it's so cool to see what you all are doing. I, I've already recommended your podcast to my wife, so you you picked up a new subscriber along <laughs> the way too in this interview. <laughs> oh, awesome! We are so happy to hear that. Yeah. So. Brad, before we jump into further discussion, do you mind first sharing a little bit about yourself and your family personally? And second, how you would describe or say your career has transitioned due to fatherhood? It's been really interesting. I've I've got a really good friend named John Vroman, and I think he really sums it up, at least the way I try to live, and I don't always hit the mark on this, but he said he was, so he was a professional speaker, and he said oftentimes, like he was asked, you know, what do you do for a living? And he'd just kind of always give the professional side. And then he started to realize like, actually, you know what? I'm a dad and and I'm a husband first. And then all this other stuff follows that. And so I really try to deliver on that. I, I think I don't always achieve it or succeed there, but I really think that's what's most important. I mean, the reason I work and have a career is so I can create amazing experiences for my family and, you know, my, whether it's just my wife and I, or if it's a full family trip or just anything or, you know, the, the house that's the roof that's over our heads. So I think first and foremost, I like to think of myself as a, as a dad and as a husband, and I hope I do really, really well there. And I strive to get better every day. And then after that, I work in financial services. So started with the company based out of Topeka, Kansas, uh, Advisors Excel, which at the time was the sleepy little company that no one had ever heard of in a place that nobody ever visited, basically. <laughs> and today, we've grown it into the largest independent insurance brokerage firm in the United States. We, we deal with annuities, life insurance, uh, just opened a wealth management division three years ago that's now the second fastest growing in the US at over $7 billion three years later. So it's just been really cool to see a company that started just kind of a small town company really start to have a national impact. And I, I, I don't think we plan on slowing down anytime soon on that front either. And then I guess let me just fill in the gaps on my family. So I married my high school sweetheart, Sarah. So we married in 2005, met her when I was a junior in high school, uh, dated all through college. And then we have three kiddos. So we've got Braun, who's our oldest. He's a nine-year-old, <laughs> super into everything sports-related. Uh, got a hoverboard for his last birthday, and now he's just like crunching all of our, you know, our finish all around every aspect of our house with that thing. So that's good. <laughs> and um, Nash is our middle boy, so he's almost eight. Really into nothing sports-related. Uh, really into Legos. Really into. Um, just more creative type of things. And uh, he's in Taekwondo playing the piano. So that's kind of his gig. And then our littlest Nelly, she's three and <laughs> she's the toughest out of all of them. Uh, so I think, I think she's going to be all into sports. She's into gymnastics right now. And uh, uh, what else is she into? All things princess and pink. So yeah, so that's us. <laughs> I love the family dynamic. 
It's adorable. You know, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, really, first and foremost, you always try to keep in mind that you're a father and, but sometimes, you know, the, the life and running the business and all of that, like that can kind of cloud someone's perspective and, and make them maybe feel overwhelmed and, and doing career alongside of fatherhood. So on this podcast, we often are talking about women now that have careers alongside of motherhood. And we see that, you know, a lot of women today are feeling really stretched when it comes to, you know, being a parent and having a career of any kind, even if it's a job that allows them to work a few hours a week from their home. Would you say that from your perspective, that fathers struggle with the same kind of feeling like this dad guilt? We don't talk about dad guilt the way that we talk about mom guilt, but does that exist? And in your experience, do you feel that that exists for fathers just as much as it does for mothers? I think it does. I don't know to the level that it does for mothers. I think a lot of times guys just aren't honest with themselves. And, you know, you look at kind of, I'll call it old school, like 1950s, you know, like leave it to beaver type of families. And I think we're a long ways away from that today, but I think there's still that that kind of theme in America Mm -hmm. where, you know, the guy makes the money and the gal stays home and takes care of the kids. Although that's definitely evolved a lot. I think a lot of dads will say where they dismiss the dad guilt. Maybe this is their defense mechanism. It's I'm out making a living to support my family. Like I'm earning the money to do it. Therefore, if I'm away or I miss important activities, it's okay. Yeah. And I think as an entrepreneur, it's the blessing and the curse. The blessing is you have the freedom to create this amazing business that you're your own boss, but the curse is that never stops. It doesn't turn off. It's not an eight to five, I hang it up and life is good. So a lot of our coaching, we coach financial advisors for a living that, I mean, they're type A like that. I mean, as you know, Laura, that business doesn't turn off either, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, being married to Taylor and- I I like to talk through, build a business that you never want to retire from. And as an entrepreneur, you have that power and the ability to do it. Oftentimes, it's just giving into impulses such as now we have this thing called an iPhone that's right there next to us all hours of the day. And, oh, it's really easy just to, you know, check a quick email. And then the next thing you know, you're 45 minutes into that and your kids are like, actually supposed to be interacting with them in the evening, you know? So that's something I personally have struggled a lot with is it doesn't turn off. So you have to really put these rules in place in your life to make it turn off because once you do, and you're present with your family, like that's like the best, but it's actually hitting the stop button and figuring out tools and tricks to be able to do that is what I've found anyway. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a work in progress, right? It's a skill that we all have to acquire. And some days we're going to do better than others. I mean, just this morning I shared with you before we jumped on, Taylor's out of town right now. So I'm kind of doing this mom thing alone until I have help come with the kids and I can go to work. But I was sitting there writing an email and my two-year-old picked a book up that you actually (laughs) had sent us and ripped it apart. And it's because I wasn't sitting there spending time with him, you know, giving him that quality attention. But, right, and right. I was distracted by my computer and an email that I needed to get out because I didn't get it out last night. So it's like this, 
this juggle. It's it's um, Nina O'Neill talks about the juggle is real with I think it's uh, Investor News, uh-huh. and it's it's a a real thing that I know moms experience, and it's interesting to see that dads experience it too, regardless of how their businesses are set up in their life. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I agree with the uh, setting boundaries is hard. Like Laura mentioned earlier, you know, both of our husbands are entrepreneurs and it's true. It never turns off. You know, he's the, as I'm sure you understand, you're, you're the one that everyone's looking for. or You drive the business forward, like you're in control. So it's harder to set boundaries for that. And that kind of makes me think about how challenging the transition into parenthood must have been. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term matrescence, uh, which is basically what's called the birth or the transition of a mother. So when the baby is born, you know, you have a baby, but you also have now been born as a mom. And that transition has been likened to when children go through adolescence, where it's basically just a massive change physically as well as emotionally. Mm -hmm. So what in, in sort of reflection, since I think, I believe that you have three children, what, when you look back to when your eldest son was born, what can you tell us about your transition into a, into being a father, into fatherhood? Do Was it shocking or how did it feel? And if you compare that transition to how you observed your wife transition, would you say it was a, as impactful for you? Well, she was a natural. I had to figure it out. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, no, so, so I, I mean, from a husband's perspective, I think, all things new can be scary and there's no, you know, there's this saying, there's no manual for parenthood and that's a hundred percent the truth. The first thing that was really impactful to me was the level of love for my wife, seeing her go through pregnancy, which is not easy on a human being's body. And then just the actual birth process itself, like just to see her go through that, to bring our child into the world, like my level of love for her before that to after it was, didn't even compare right? And so I think just our relationship in that process became stronger and I had a higher appreciation for her. And so that, that was the start of it. And then with, from the baby, you know, this new little thing that's, you know, half you and figuring that all out, it's scary. You know, I was not the, I had one younger brother, so I didn't come from a big family where I was like holding babies my whole life growing up. So just the whole process of figuring out how to like care for this child you're, you're scared to break was was new, um, but you figure it out. And mm-hmm. I think the another big thing is just you have to get a lot less selfish really quick. My wife and I are both, you know, we're social people. We like to go out. We like to hang out with friends. And, you know, we're also independent, so we can do that on our own. We're not the couple that has to follow each other around. And just realizing, oh, well, Brad, you're going to go out. Who's going to take care of the baby? And like you, all of a sudden, there's a heavier weight on your shoulders of always needing to be there and and just the level of selfishness immediately drops because you're not the number one priority anymore or your spouse isn't the number one priority anymore. I guess individually, as you look at yourself, you're not the number one priority. And so that that really changed a lot. But I mean, I think we grew and we're a lot stronger today because of that. And I think, I think being a parent makes you a better person. I mean, you just, you, you start thinking like completely, you, you are much more self-aware. It's not always about you or always about you as a couple, you know, right. so just high yeah. level, at least a few things off the top of my mind that, that, uh, definitely starting out changed. So what about when your second son was born? 
Did you feel more prepared? Did you have a similar adjustment in terms of now we have four? Like each of us get one now, essentially. Um, like man-on-man defense for right. childcare for a little bit. But did that feel easier? Did it feel more stressful? Like we hear a lot from women that becoming a mother is is very challenging. But it seems like you guys, or that you at least, transitioned well. We were fortunate. I mean, financially, we were set up in a way where my wife could stay at home with the kids. So that was super helpful. My wife taught grade school and she coached volleyball and she was fortunate. She was able to keep coaching volleyball. So that was kind of her sanity, like her her, her grown up time where she could actually go out and have regular conversations. So I think, and she continues to coach today and is, is very, very good at it. I think that that's always been a good thing that she's had a little bit of that balance to get outside of the house and, you know, keep those relationships going with friends. The funny story with our second was not planned whatsoever. Uh, my wife, <laughs> I remember she came in, she's like, Hey, can we talk? And like immediately we sit down at the kitchen table and she starts bawling and not like happy tears. Right. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And this was, let me think here. I got to do my math. We had a seven month old at the time. So yep, yeah, I've our been there, Brad. <laughs> that, that's sounding a little too familiar. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, our two boys are 16 months apart. So my wife will tell you, like, I guess her mom guilt sometimes is she doesn't feel like she gave Nash, well, both Braun and Nash are two oldest. She she feels like she shorted each of them in the deal because they were so close together, right? Mm. And our first, we our you know, our little magical fairy tale story we had you know, predetermined that all of us have before it actually happens was, oh, we're going to have, you know, a baby about every two years. And we're going to have, we thought for sure three, maybe four. And there's a huge gap between our youngest and our middle, because we're, we were just in this whirlwind of chaos for like three or four years. So our, our second was definitely not planned. Um, but now it's great. You know, that the two of them, they, they can do a lot of activities together. They're pretty good buddies most of the time. So, so I guess for, for those moms out there, I would assume a lot, a lot of your listeners are moms. Like it's okay if things like that go down and it's not always going to be like storybook, like you have it planned, but it, it'll all work out in the end. No, life is not a straight line, no. but <laughs> the challenges that we are faced with come to serve us in a way. So speaking of that, I want to know a couple things. One, I mean, you're, it, it sounds like, yes, you and your wife manage the transition into parenthood pretty well compared to uh, what a lot of people do. But with that being said, I'm sure it didn't go without hard work. I mean, I assume that you've done a lot of work to be a present father and a present husband and to work through navigating parenthood. So what I would like to know is what would have been helpful for you to have known ahead of becoming a father about that transition? I think a lesson in business served me really well in parenthood. And I, I've been really fortunate on the business side. We've, I mean, we've been a company that we brought in Tony Robbins to speak. We've brought in Darren Hardy. We brought, we brought in a ton of like thought leader type of people to where it serves you on the business side, but also some of these principles and rules can serve you on the personal side. And, and a guy I mentored under in a mastermind for a couple of years, a guy named Michael Hyatt, who mm-hmm. I still hold in the highest regard, married, happily married, five daughters. Um, all of his daughters actually still like him. So that's just a huge accomplishment by itself, you know, and they're all grown now. He gave me a piece of advice 
And it is anything in life that you want to figure out, you know, whether it's, I want to shed a few pounds at the gym or I want to, you know, do this in business or, you know, be a better husband, go get a coach, you know, go, go get somebody that that's what they specialize in. They've been there before. They've seen people struggle with this. They've helped them down the path to figure out, you know, get them where they want to go. And I've looked at me as a husband and me as a father. And I've tried to model the same thing that a lot of people model in business. They have a business coach, but they don't really have anybody that helps them on the other side. Mm -hmm. And one of my good friends, a guy named John Vroman, he created a, an event called the dad's retreat because same thing. He was going to all these business conferences. He's like, I want to go learn how to be a better dad. What's out there. And so I've gone to that now three or four years. That's where I met Jim Shields. Um, so the book that I sent you, the family board meeting, that model by itself in our life has been massive. And I'm so thankful I found it when I was, when my kids were young, I think Braun was four or five. But let's jump into that. You know, let's talk about how going to this dad retreat and then reading that book and all of that has, has kind of formed your fatherhood. Yeah. I think first off, just going to a dad's retreat. I think the thing that I found like most places is sometimes the scariest voice to listen to is the one inside your own head. Mm -hmm. And when you go there and you listen to other guys that they, they want to be great dads too. And guess what? They struggle with putting the cell phone up at night. Uh, they struggle with like work trips and, and all of the things that people that run successful businesses do. So the first thing is it's, you start to realize I'm not alone in this battle by myself, but if I've got other people there, kind of accountability partners, that can be really helpful. And then, you know, when you have that bad day, a support group to reach out to. So just the, the whole context of that, I think is very helpful where you're not alone and, you know, getting all worked up because you think you're battling by yourself. And then just, I'm a, I'm a big framework guy. Probably it has a lot to do with coaching a ton on business, like frameworks where you can break down super complicated stuff and make it easy and attainable. So the family board meeting, Jim Shields, that was a framework I took. And I was like, well, this is a no brainer. It's not that hard. And so essentially it's one-on-one -on -one time with each child, um, four hours, no technology, and they, they choose the activity and then you reflect at the end. Right. And so basically I just put that on my calendar. So that, that would be another tip I would say is if you've got these aspirations, things you want to do either as a husband, wife, mom, dad, rather than talk about it. And then a month from now, you're like, Oh yeah, I never did that. Like just go straight out to your calendar, put it on there. And then it's it, in my family, we call it putting the big rocks on the calendar first. So a lot of times what happens is all the business stuff goes on and then oh, shoot, when can I fit in this quality time with my kid? Mm -hmm. In reality, that's what's most important. So look out to 2020 right now where it's fairly open and say, I'm going to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with each of my children each quarter. Boom, it's on there. And now when all the business stuff rolls around, you just work that around it. So that's been really big. My wife and I did that for the first time this year where January, I think um, we sat down with Michelle on my team who runs my calendar and we literally put all of our family events on it first. And then we put all the business stuff on after. And I know like after that, my wife was just like, my wife, Sarah was just like, oh my gosh, that's the best meeting we've ever done. We need to do that every year. Right. Mm -hmm. It just took a lot of stress off of both of us. And so, yeah, then the family board meetings, I grew up with a younger brother, two years younger. And it's really interesting because I didn't really think about it until I read that book and like got some time to hang out with Jim one-on-one. -on -one. Every childhood memory for the most part 
of mine is my brother's right next to me. And that's great. That's awesome. Right. But I look back to some of my best moments. And I remember this one time where my grandpa, I couldn't have been more than six or seven years old, picked me up in his old beat up red pickup truck. You know, I grew up in the middle of Kansas. So there's think like dirt road, like middle of nowhere. And we drive like a couple miles over. We go into this pasture. There's a little fishing pond and him and I just sat there and fished. And like, I'm six or seven and I still vividly remember that. And as I go back, I'm like, why was that? Why is that like drilled into my brain? Like, why do I remember that so vividly? It was because it was him and me in every other family event. It was him and like the 12 other grandkids. Yeah. So that one-on-one time as a kid, your kids don't like Disney's great, you know, like let's go. And we do that too. But what they really want is you focused eyeball to eyeball talking about things that they actually want to talk about and are interested in. And the more of those I can get on the calendar, the more of them I do, the more important I see that they are. And now my kids, they ask me, they're like, dad, when's our next daddy Braun day? When's our next daddy Nash day? And that's all they care about, you know? So that would just be like a simple thing. Like if I can get like five people that listen to this, do it, that's a huge win. And I guarantee it will impact your relationship with your kids forever. Hey, Jen, do you think they like us? Wait, what do you mean by that, Laura? Like, do you think our listeners like us? You know, on Instagram. Of course they do. Or at least they mean to. Come on, guys. If you're not following us on IG, we would love to connect with you there. Yes, we want to get to know you better. And we want you to get to know Generation.Mom even more. So please make sure you are following us on Instagram at Generation.Mom. You can shoot us a direct message and say hello. Your kids don't. Like Disney's great, you know, like let's go. And we do that too. But what they really want is you focused eyeball to eyeball talking about things that they actually want to talk about and are interested in. And the more of those I can get on the calendar, the more of them I do, the more important I see that they are. And now my kids, they ask me, they're like, dad, when's our next daddy Braun day? When's our next daddy Nash day? And that's all they care about, you know? So that would just be like a simple thing. Like if I can get like five people that listen to this, do it, that's a huge win. And I guarantee it will impact your relationship with your kids forever. I like that point of you thinking about what your memories are as a child, because similar to what you just shared, my best memories as a child are when I was only with my dad. Not that I didn't mm-hmm. like my mom and sister, of course, but those are the, the most prevalent when I think of them or the most emotional still as an adult. So yeah, totally. It's great advice and makes sense. Like you, you experience that. It's a great way using these sort of one-on-one time and creating frameworks, like you mentioned, to bridge entrepreneurship and parenthood together to create quality time. Like to that point, Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, you actually have more freedom oftentimes to do things like that. You know, like if, if you were working for the corporate job eight to five, it's actually really hard. You've got to now start take vacation and, you know, like plan all this stuff out. I've got buddies that are on the speaking circuit authors. They start just like, Hey, I've got this speaking event. They take one of their kids with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that whole trip becomes like their version of a board meeting. So I think as an entrepreneur, if you are purposeful and intentional about it, you can actually create some even way over the top family board meetings that probably the most individuals couldn't pull off, right. you know? 
Yeah, I think I saw Rachel Hollis. I think it was Rachel Hollis was doing that, where if she is away from her kids for longer than five days, she always takes one with her. Hmm. And again, like to your guys' point, for me, looking back on my life, I have two siblings. We're all very close in age. And the memories that stick out most are the ones where I had one-on-one time Hmm. with both parents, but significantly my father. And he was really good about having like his dates with his daughters. And then he would go camping with my brother all of the time. But it's all very significant. And just to clarify a couple of things, this isn't something that only the father would be doing with the children. The mother should be and can be creating these types of one-to-one relationships and experiences as well, correct? Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I don't know if you all fall into this, <laughs> but maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you know, I'm I'm the guy, you know, I go to a lot of conferences every year, some are business, uh, some, you know, like the dad's retreats for a different reason, but I'm also the guy I've made the mistake of being gone for two days. And then the first thing I say when I get back home to my wife is like, <laughs> hey, honey, here's the seven <laughs> things we've got to implement in the next two days. And, <laughs> and get you know, because I'm all amped up about the last conference I went to and the cool ideas. And she's just like holding a kid out, like, please <laughs> take this child before yeah, I kill them. Right? But, you know, yeah. not quite to that extent, but yeah, um, we can relate. So, so, so anyway, I, I think with Sarah, the way this worked is I came back. And I think it was one of those things like, oh, okay, well, here's another idea. But then she started to see like how it impacted our kiddos. And now she started to do the same on her side. Well, it's a little different with three kids. If if we had two, you know, it'd be really easy. Like you can just, one does a daddy mom day or a, a kiddo mom day and then a kiddo dad day. As you have three kids, now you've start to got, got to start to plan a bit more. That's so interesting that both of you have super strong memories one-on-one where I've seen the biggest impact with our kids, like Nellie's still a little young. Like she actually completely dissed me. Like we had the, we had the, <laughs> the, the Nellie dad day. And she's like, I just want to stay with mom. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh. yeah. So hopefully she comes around eventually. But, um, but Nash, he's always had an older brother, like, you know, talking over him, interrupting him, like trying to redirect things. And, for him, that's those one-on-one times is where I see like the mo- like him come out as a person, you know, because he's got complete freedom. He can own the conversation. Um, we can do the activities he actually wants to do instead of his older brother wants to do. So I think especially as your family grows, the younger siblings, I'm not going to say the older sibling doesn't still need it. They absolutely do. But it, I'd see it even more power in some of the younger siblings that have older siblings kind of run on the show. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, I my kids are still very young, but that two-year-old of mine, he dominates the baby. <laughs> he sees the baby get one. Yeah. Yesterday, the baby was touching my hand, and it was a big deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's my mama's hand. Yeah, it yeah, was a, yeah. all, no baby, no baby, don't touch her. So, <laughs> you know, we have to work on that. But, you know, another point that you made too, and I love it, and I, I so see the power and like how your wife felt when you had that meeting in January and you sat down with Michelle and you said, we've got to put the rocks on our calendar. And I love that. And I am going to actually start working on that with Taylor because I think that's key. Just like he lays out his conferences for the year for his business and the things that he must be doing. And his, you know, he has two two months of the year where he grinds down and does all of his annual meetings. And, you know, we have to put that 
those big rocks, those family events on the calendar too. I think that's so important. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen that YouTube video or heard that story about kind of filling up your bucket and you have to put the rocks in first and the rocks right. are being, you know, the quality pieces yep. of your life, whether that's career or family or whatever, like that has to go in first because once it starts filling with sand, there's no place for the rocks. Right. Exactly. Yep. That's where I, what I see is so like I did this for the longest time. I'm sure everybody does out there. You felt you filled it with the sand first and then you get to the end and there's no room for the rocks. And that that's super frustrating. Yeah. 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 To kind of go back a little bit, and then I do want to come more into some of the tools and the skills that you use within your fatherhood and your family dynamic. I want to talk a little bit more about your wife or just mothers in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you think, or what is something that you wish more wives or partners would really understand about the role and the experience of the father and what they're going through in their fatherhood? I think a lot of dads and a lot of my friends, as we've talked about it, it's just like, we're clueless, <laughs> you know, it's like, just tell us what to do. <laughs> I think a lot of women, you kind of have these motherly instincts and I'm not saying all of all women, but I think, you know, like a good example, my wife loves babies, like, like that zero to six months, nine months. Like if there's a baby in the room, she'll just go pick them up and cuddle them and nestle them. And the guy version of that, I'm just being real with you here. Like, I'm like, I, I love them, but I don't really have a need to want to go hold them. You know, I'm like, I'm like, get them walking and like being able to run around and wrestle and do, do all the fun stuff. Like awesome. But that like first year being really truthful and honest here, like I didn't have a supernatural connection. And I think a lot of moms want their husband to have that. And a lot of guys I've talked to that first year, yes, they, they will go, they will help out because they want to be helpful and they want to be a great husband and dad, but there's not this natural pull to do it. Um, however, once they start to get a little older and, you know, can, you know, interact, talk, personalities come out, run around. I think that's where a lot of guys start to really like be like super drawn to their kids and just want to like, just play with them all day long. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Or am I like completely <laughs> Abs- yeah. off base? Absolutely. Um, and I think that now Jen and I both have toddlers, so we can see that with our own husbands. And yeah. having a toddler and a baby right now, I mean, the bond that I see between my husband and my toddler is just more significant yeah. now than it is between the baby and my husband because the baby is relied on me for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, and that bond with the baby, for me, it's interesting. It feels different than the bond with my first, because I think when we just had one, there's a lot of focus on the one and we both, you know, there's a lot of fusion tied between all three of us. And there was that triangle created. Right. And then you add the second kid and that baby has been kind of more, I don't want to say more of my responsibility, but has been more reliant on me. And I feel like I have a different and kind of a special bond with the second Mm. because my husband has really had, had, you know, a new bond with, are first. And I would say that that is probably accurate for most. And I know I was really frustrated to be completely honest with Taylor when I was pregnant with my second child, because it was like, you don't seem to care that I'm pregnant with another kid. Like the nostalgia or something has worn off around having children. And he was like, honestly, like, it's not, it's not that it's that like, 
it's just really hard. Those first like zero to nine months, like I have a hard time with, like you don't get a lot back from the baby. I can't really do as much as you can. Like, you know, you're feeding the baby, you're up with the baby. Like I can't do a whole lot. And to him, it felt like he was helpless in that situation. Mm -hmm. And men don't want to feel that way. Well, there's there's at least two of us out there. Then it's Taylor and I <laughs> on our own little island. There might be a couple more somewhere. <laughs> Funny. Well, I have the opposite problem in which I also don't really like baby stage. <laughs> My husband and I are in agreement that we both don't really like the baby stage. <laughs> um, that's good to hear. That's good to hear that that's uh, that happens on the woman's side too. Yeah, I mean, at least for sure, that's how it, how our experience with our first was. And that kind of brought into a new dynamic with us about how we had to really learn how to communicate as parents differently. Do you have any tips or feedback about how you and your wife are able to continue to find time to communicate or to get on the same page about topics related to parenting? Like, Do you have a similar structure like you do with your children where you have one-on-one time where you guys make it a point to communicate or... Or how do you work together to get on the same page? This is this is like really scary as couples. So I'm I'm glad you went there because I'm at the so I'm 38. And so I'm at the age now where I'm starting to see a lot of couples unfortunately start to hit the the national average of divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like our first five, 10 years, it's like all our friends are still married. Well, you know, that must not be a Kansas thing. And now it's definitely catching up. Yeah. And there's been some trends I've seen and I, and I don't want to pretend to like, you know, be a couples therapist or anything like that, but I definitely see some trends of those that haven't lasted. And one of them, I can think of one specifically where great parents, like, like the best parents, like kids are all into sports and all of this. And, and it just like blindsided me when they split and like my wife and I talked a lot about it because we're like, wow, seriously, you know, how did this happen? And, and when we really like looked back, it was, they invested all their time and energy into their kids and they forgot about each other, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's the outside perspective. I don't, there could have been other things happening, but one thing that I think is really important is you can be the best parent on earth, but if you don't maintain that relationship with your spouse or your partner or whoever that is, that's massively impactful to the kids. My parents divorced as I was a freshman going into high school and like it, you know, like it resonated, you know, I, you know, I didn't like go off and start like smoking cigarettes behind the school or something like <laughs> that, but it was, it was very impactful and it still is today. You know, we've got like three Christmases to hit every Christmas. I think one thing you can't forget is you always have to keep dating your spouse. And so something Sarah and I have done, um, it's, it's gone through gaps. So I think there's always seasons like, like Laura on your side. Well, I guess you're seven months in, but Jen, you're, yeah, I mean, both of you are still going through, I think these seasons Mm -hmm. where you're in like the chaos phase of a new kiddo. And those things will sometimes like, you might not have the you know, every Wednesday date night or something like that. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I would challenge all couples out there is you have to keep dating each other because if you don't, like, then it just becomes like your roommates raising kids together and you've got to keep the passion alive. You got to keep the communication alive. And so that's one of our rhythms is we have a weekly date night. In fact, it's tonight. It doesn't have to be special. So my wife yesterday, she's like, uh, what do you think about? We just have the babysitter, take the kids downstairs, <laughs> And then we just watch a movie in our room. 
(laughs) (laughs) with potentially a bottle of wine involved too. So, and I'm like, that sounds awesome. We don't have to get dressed up. We don't have to, you know, we can just like throw on some sweats or whatever. And so I think that that's just really key is just keep the relationship alive. I mean, it, it's really scary if you don't keep investing time there. And I think that's where a lot of our communication comes out. I mean, we don't try to make our date nights like meetings, you know, or it's like, hey, here are the eight things to check off our checklist. But I think those oftentimes the things that need to come out, come out there. Um, one other thing that was huge for me, um, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I got this at a marriage retreat three or four years ago. It's credited to Viktor Frankl, but I don't think it anybody's actually ever proved that he said it. So it is between stimulus and response. There's a space. And in that space lies all, all your opportunity for growth. And I'm, I might've missed a word or two in there, but that's the basics of it. And a guy named Ian Cron shared that with me. He wrote a book called the The road back to you. It's around the Enneagram. If you're all, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar, mm-hmm. an awesome, awesome book for couples. I learned more about my wife in that marriage retreat than the 10, 11 years prior that we'd been married. But the times where I see communication breakdown between us or between our kids, it's typically when I react versus when I give myself space. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just, I take it in and I immediately go to defend or make my point instead of seeking to understand, like, why did that actually, you know, why was that said? And my wife was at the time kind of struggling with, our kids were a little younger and it was kind of that just out of toddler phase where they can actually like talk back a little bit, you know, they can kind of like get some zingers in there <laughs> and she was just struggling. And so she asked Ian, she said, um, how do I develop that? You know, how do I widen that space? And his analogy was most people walk through life and that space is about as wide as a crack on the sidewalk. They, they walk over it. They don't even realize it. And his response was the best. And this is a guy that has been a, uh, He's an Episcopal priest and a psychologist, which is a pretty oh, wow. crazy combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's had a lot of experience with couples over the years. And his response was, you should meditate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those things I'd kind of been talking to Sarah about for a year or two. And she'd kind of written it off as like, you know, some, you know, Tony Robbins stuff or whatever. And so we made a rhythm for a very close to a year. Where in our morning routine, we got up before the kids were up, it's usually about 5.30. So it was definitely a commitment. And we meditated, just the two of us, downstairs in our basement, just dark, no lights on. And like we weren't touching whatsoever, but it was like one of the most intimate experiences because you're, you're in a space with someone you love, just like in complete silence and I, have, have either of you meditated at all or, or messed around with it? Uh, a little bit. I'm not, I'm not great at it, but I will say that when Taylor started picking up on the practice uh, regularly, his, he became so much less reactionary to mm. any issue in our marriage. Yeah. So it, it's something like, it was kind of the same. It sounds like Laura on your side, it was similar. Like I started it a little bit, but when mm-hmm. Sarah started doing it with me, we've kind of fallen a bit out of the practice, honestly, lately. And like anytime things kind of get like, uh, you know, we're not super well connected. We're like, let's get back on that meditation because it's just, it creates more space and it like, you're prouder of how you react to things, you know? It just, and I don't know. I mean, it's your brain basically rewires itself. I don't know all the, all the, uh, 
science behind it, but I just know it helps and you're a more self-aware person. And it was just really cool to experience that together. Well, isn't there something that said like about how the most best communication is the communication that exists between two people when nothing said at all. Hmm. Like they're sitting next to each other. I, I don't know the quote around it or exactly what it is, but you know, that feeling where like you can just look at each other and know what one another's thinking because you've just, you know, kind of created that space for one another. But so much of what you've said is so true. And I want to go back to what you said a couple of minutes ago about sometimes you're in seasons, you know, Jen's about to enter a season with a newborn. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like when you have really small kids, like you're just in the thick of it. Like you said, you know, it's a, it's a continuous chaotic season. And within that season, things aren't going to be regular. You know, you're not, you might not have regular date nights, but just taking a moment to do something, maybe the kids are asleep and you go in the backyard and you have a glass of wine, like, and just taking that moment to take yourself out of the chaos of the house or, you know, taking care of the kids or whatever it is and remove yourself and get some fresh air together. It's so impactful. And I'll share something funny. Taylor and I actually have our first trip together planned for next week. We had this trip planned for a while, probably for the last six months. And he got a speaking opportunity on the exact same weekend. And he came to me and he was like, look, I got this opportunity. Like, I hate to to pass it up. And, you know, I'm in complete support of him and any opportunities. And he said, but I want to put our vacation first. And I, you know, cause we really need this time together. And I appreciated him saying that, but I said, you know what? Like, why don't I just go with you? Like, we'll go, it'll be a longer trip. I'll go with you. And I don't care where it is. Like the fact that we get to go on an airplane alone, like <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> that is amazing. And that is our quality time. Like if I could just sit with you on an airplane, I'm going to make that fun. Even if you have a delay and they lose your luggage. It's still yeah. so much easier than traveling with the toddlers. Yeah. So just being grateful for those little moments and making those little moments. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Like you said tonight, you're just going to watch a movie with your wife while there's a babysitter. I mean, that's awesome. And it's a lot less pressure too. So just when you're in the thick of it, like just find a way to even take 15 minutes for yourself as a couple. So, and then another thing that you had brought up in conversation a little while back when we said, like, what do you wish more wives and partners knew? And it's kind of about like, you know, men, for the most part, they don't love the baby stage, or at least in your experience. And I do think there's a few men and they're kind of like unicorns that love (laughs) the little babies, Uh, (laughs) but they are, they're like unicorns. But you said, you know, it's fun when you can start talking to your kids. So let's talk about some of the frameworks for great conversations that you can create with your kids. And how would you do that as your kids get older? So there's one little tool that is awesome and makes it really easy. Um, have you have you all heard of table topics by chance? No. Okay. This is going to be your new favorite $10 Amazon purchase, maybe 15. All so right. they're, these, they're these little cards and they make them for... They make them like kids version. They make adult versions, but they're like super deep questions, like kind of philosophical questions. And so one of our, like going back to like rhythms that are important in our family, all else can go wrong in the day. If I'm home by 6 PM to have family dinner, mm-hmm. all is good. Right. So, mm-hmm. so that's really one of our rhythms. That's like one of our non-negotiables other than like if I'm traveling for work or something, but um, so 6 PM family dinner. And at the dinner table, not like watching TV, you know, and so no electronics from any kids, no electronics from mom or dad. And 
just like an old school family dinner. We had these kind of like monotonous of like, oh, how was your day? Or what was the best thing from school today? And it was just like after a while, kids like mm-hmm. completely zone out on those or they just like give you two word answers. And so actually, I think it was the dad's retreat there. Somebody was talking about table topics. So I got home, bought those and their questions like Nash's favorite. You're going to be deserted on a desert island. You can only take three things. What are you taking? And like the kids will fight over like who gets to answer them first. Right. And it gives you like so much insight into everybody's personality. What's important to them. Like Nash, like when they started out, they're like, well, I would take, I would take a sandwich. I would take my Pokemon cards and I would take an apple. And then the, the answer started evolving. Like the second time around where Nash was like, I would take a grocery store (laughs) because I can get everything there. I was like, okay, now we're thinking. (laughs) And, so it's just it's just like it's really fun, um, you know. If you were a superhero, what what power, you know, what superhero would you be, and what's your favorite superpower? I mean, it's just there's some of them are just silly questions, but they make for interesting conversation. Another book recommendation: uh, even if your toes turn purple, written by Rich and Tim Christensen. So Rich was an entrepreneur, I think, still is an entrepreneur, has five boys. And his book is written in conjunction with his son. It was actually a business project. And so he's got a chapter in there. It's basically how him and his wife created all these rituals and rhythms. So one of the things that Sarah and I have really started to talk a lot about is what's going to be really important to us after our kids are out of the house. And Sarah comes from a lot bigger family, um, Catholic family, like very like, you know, they do everything together. Like, like it's second cousin's <laughs> birthday. Let's all get yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And like one of those type of families. And at first I kind of like was like, seriously, but now I've really come to appreciate because just like around their, her parents' family kitchen table, there've been some of the best conversations, games, just like, it's just a very warm environment. And so we've talked about how, what sort of things do we need to do to replicate that where our kids actually want to come back home when they don't have to. And a lot of it's just around developing relationships. And so, yeah, it's chapter nine, power tools for parents in this book. It's jam packed of like so much stuff, but one of the coolest things we've done yet with our kids um, so I got an idea out of here. Um, basically he came up with a list of, of course he had five boys. So he said, if you're a Christensen boy, what does that mean? What's it mean to be a Christensen boy? So we basically came up with our version of that. What's it mean to be a Johnson kid? And okay. so we all got sticky notes and markers and I had Braun and Nash. Nellie was a little young. I actually circled back around with her, but I just had a morning with the boys. And I said, Hey, what's it mean to be a Johnson kid? And then I just shut up and they started writing and they came up with things like treat others things as if they're ours, have fun, uh, be creative. And they just came up with all these like, like amazing ideas and they were coming up with them. I wasn't. And they were just like writing them on sticky notes, slapping them down. And so I went back and asked Nellie. And so at three, she came up with these. She said, love their mommy love their daddy, have fun, play. I think those were her four. And so I just went to, I think it's Canva. Is Mm -hmm. that a website? Canva? And just made a poster out of them. And so it looks cool. 
And I put that poster up on the boys' wall. I put that poster up on Nellie's wall. And so at night, we'll do kind of our bedtime story stuff. And then I'll just start to ask them. I'll be like, hey, name one thing. What's it mean to be a Johnson kid? And they'll just name a random thing off there. And then like if they name, you know, one, two nights in a row, I'll say, hey, what's come up with another one? What's another one on there? And it's just cool to start to see them like ingrain ingrain these things into who they are. And it also on the other side, you know, when they're a jerk to their brother, hey, I'll like look up at that poster. Now was that treating your brother like you want to be treated? And so it's because they came up with it, right? So if it's dad or mom telling them what they should be, that's one thing. It's another thing with them creating that on their own and then just kind of living up to their expectation of themselves, you know? So that that was like more of a conversational thing that we had, but what organically came out of it, that's, that's been pretty cool to see. Hey, Laura, have you checked out our weekly email yet? Wait, we have an email? Yes, that is where all of our really great insider promo codes, offers, and all the extra additional insight on our featured guests are. Don't miss out and subscribe to our newsletter and emails today. And it's just cool to start to see them like ingrain ingrain these things into who they are. And it also, on the other side, you know, when they're a jerk to their brother, hey, I'll like look up at that poster. Now, was that? treating your brother like you want to be treated. And so it's because they came up with it, right? So if it's dad or mom telling them what they should be, that's one thing. It's another thing with them creating that on their own and then just kind of living up to their expectation of themselves, you know? So that, that was like more of a conversational thing that we had, but what organically came out of it, that's, that's been pretty cool to see. So don't you think when I hear you say how your kids wrote all these things down about what it means to be a Johnson kid, I think immediately that they listed all those things because that's how they saw you and your wife model behavior, that that's the culture of the family that you'd already created. Right. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I strive to do. That, that was a, that was a huge lesson for me. Yeah. That you were doing a good job. I mean, right. Well, I mean, no, it's I been a huge too. lesson. It's, it's been a huge lesson for me when I don't like when I'm real with myself, yeah. which my wife will tell me, she's like, one of these days you'll learn, like, it's okay to say that, you know, you're not always right. You know? <laughs> and so like, I think as good as we all strive to be, we're all human beings and we're, we're flawed at certain things. And uh, that's like that point of modeling versus saying mm-hmm. is so big. And, and one of the things like that I started to do recently I will express my love for my wife in front of my kids. Um, Laura or no, Jen, I think you said earlier how your dad took you on dates when you were little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I know Nellie, it's going to mean so much more. She's going to model like how I treat Sarah in front of her. That's what she's going to look for in a future husband versus if I just say, make sure boys respect you. Right. Right. And so one of the things that, I'll try to do is just at bedtime, I'll say, Hey, you know, I, I, Sarah and I actually did this a lot. We'd be like, Hey, you know, mom loves you. Dad loves you. And we just express all of our love for our kids. And I started saying, you know how much your dad loves your mom. And like, now it's like a running joke with the kids. Like, yeah, we know you love mom. <laughs> you, think, you think mom's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I realized we were like doing all the modeling for them, but we weren't modeling each other. 
how much we loved each other in front of them and how important that is to see what a healthy relationship looks like. And to, to the dating your daughter, that's like really important to me. Um, and I want to, as she's like, well, she turned down her first date with dad, but maybe I'll get the second <laughs> one, but that's, yeah, I think modeling is so important. And when you start to catch your, like, I, here's, here's the importance of modeling. So the other day we're sitting around the kitchen Island and I don't remember what I said, but it was something in the wrong tone to my wife and my oldest son, Braun goes, dad, is that how you should talk to mom? Whoa. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, this is getting out of hand, you know, <laughs> but, but I'm like, you know, I, I had to step back and I'm like, you're right, Bron. That's not how I should talk to mom. Thanks for pointing that out. And so it's kind of a self-policing system. If, I mean, as much as like family can be, you know, but if, if you try to do it with the right intention, it can actually come back the other way where it kind of keeps you in check as a, as a husband as mm-hmm. well. I think that's a good skill that your your child, I mean, you're teaching him this and he's kind of teaching you back. He's keeping you in check, like you said. So as we wrap up here, we want to ask you a few final questions. What else has really been made an impact on your fatherhood or on your kid's childhood that you're doing, that you're incorporating? Any other specific stories or tools or books that have been really helpful? A book that made a huge impact, um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. I was making the mistake, uh, as any proud parent would, like our oldest son is fairly athletic, fairly fast. And I was like, Braun, you're so fast. Or, you know, you're so smart. And setting labels on things. And that book, one of the things it teaches you is it's really dangerous to create labels around your kids because guess what? Someday Braun's going to get in a race and he's not going to be the fastest. He's going to get second or third. And so if I've now labeled his success based on a label of fast or not fast, then he's going to want to stop entering those races because now every race he enters proves that he's not fast and he wants to maintain that self-identity. And so started to focus on the effort versus, you know, labeling and Hey, I love how you're working so hard and you're in those races and you're getting faster. So, and they use a lot, I mean, I won't go deep into the book, but there's a lot of real world analogies like Michael Jordan versus John McEnroe um, and how failure didn't mean that that's it. It meant I need to work harder and get better. And I think all of us as parents want our kids to work hard and achieve and get better. And so that was a huge book. And I'm glad I read it when my kids were young because I was making a lot of mistakes by putting labels onto them. So that, that's been big. Another thing that's been big for, for our family is screen time <laughs> and how everybody really, really struggles with that. Uh, one of my clients, Justin, if you happen to be listening to this, he actually, so we had him out for a family dinner and we were just talking about it. And there's a cool little um, system. You can buy it online. It's called Accountable Kids. Have you heard of it by chance? No. It's crazy. It's like this hidden little gem that nobody knows about. Um, so it's accountable kids. It's like an old school pegboard. And what it does is you have one for each of the kids and they're like personalized with their names on them. And you can actually have like tasks for the day, right? So here are your morning activities, your lunchtime activities, your evening activities. And it says all the way down to just like putting your clothes on, brushing your teeth. So you can start really young. I think we started maybe three or four with our kids. 
And so here are the activities that it takes to be a member of the family. And you basically just flip those cards. Do you have all your morning cards done? And once you get that done, then you get a ticket. And the ticket can assign, be assigned any value, right? For us, it's 20 to 30 minutes. We've kind of changed the, the time over time, but 20 to 30 minutes of the activity of their choosing. So if they want to get on the iPad for 30 minutes. Rather than always when a kid brings an iPad, no, you're not getting on the iPad. Like we felt like we were constantly just like, no, 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 no. Now we're like, sure you can. Do you have a ticket? And mm-hmm. so now it teaches budgeting. So Taylor should love this on your mm-hmm. side, Laura, because our oldest, for example, he'll burn through tickets as soon as he gets them. Nash, he'll like save them up. And so basically you can control the screen time based on your ticket allocation. And then you also have additional activities like chores where they've got a thing called bonus bucks where now they can earn money. So, you know, the other thing is we don't say, no, you can't buy that. We're saying, sure, you can buy that. Do you do you have enough money? And if you don't, well, let's find a way to earn some. And so it just really changed the dynamic of like empowering the kids versus being the parent that was always like policing and saying, no, it's like, well, sure you can, but you got to be able to earn it. It's got one other thing that's cool called a best behavior card that you can award good activities. So like one day Braun held the door open when we were going into IHOP for another family. So I'm like, Braun, guess what? You just earned a best behavior card, right? So you can really encourage great behaviors. So that's been like a really, really foundational tool that we've used from when the kids were young. And I'm sure someday they'll outgrow it, but that's, that's been great. Just kind of monitoring the day-to-day stuff for our family. Yeah. I love that. I think that's super impactful and easy thing to do and fun. Yeah. Yeah. The kids, I mean, the kids actually like it. I mean, it's just kind of kids want, kids want accountability. They want structure. I think just oftentimes as parents, we don't know how to provide that in a way that's like not a ton of work. So therefore a lot of times people don't do it. Well, I like that. Cause even like you said, you started young with your daughter. I mean, Laura and I both have two-year-olds. So trying to convince them, yes, we get dressed and we brush our teeth and we do our hair like that alone is already hard. So starting to make it be accountable and then learning all those lessons along with it, I think is really impactful. So thank you for sharing that. So Brad, do you have any final words that you would share with any of the men who are currently walking along in fatherhood with you? So like any encouragement to those entrepreneur dads or their wives that are supporting them? I think as an entrepreneur, we separate things often, right? Like, like, oh, here's my work over here and here's like my family over here. And I think in reality, you can't do that because that's not how it works. And I think you've got to, if being a good husband and being a good dad is important to you as an entrepreneur, you have to look at, look at it no different then you do an important business meeting that's on your calendar, right? Like I don't, if I've got a big sale or some big account I'm bringing on and I've got a three o'clock scheduled on Tuesday, is there ever a chance I'm going to blow that off? Probably not. But yet I think oftentimes on the flip side, we sacrifice family things for work stuff and you can always make more money. You can never make more time. And I've been really fortunate that I started working with like people that were decades in front of me. Like my average clientele was 40, 50, 60 years old when I was in my mid twenties. And when we had our first child, when I was 29, every single one of them, it's like, they were sharing two stories with me. They were sharing the story of, Hey man, these, these 
days go, these days and years go by fast. So just appreciate them, love on them. So I got these awesome inspirational stories that just kind of reinforce, like be present. And then I got these other stories. These were the sad ones. They were the stories of regret. Mm-hmm. The stories of, oh yeah, man, I missed so many, you know, I was building the business and I missed a bunch of games and just don't be that guy. Like it's not that important. And I think just back to what we said earlier, as an entrepreneur, you actually have freedom to build what you want. So build a business that serves you, not one that you sacrifice your family for making money. Because when you look back 10, 15, 20 years from now, that is not going to be a deal that you're happy with. And so just be present and be going back to those big rocks, put the big rocks on now, the things that matter. And guess what? The business is still going to run. You know, it's, You've got the best excuse in the world. If you ever bring on a client, I, you know, it's funny. I just literally, we just had clients in Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I was at a dinner. It was seven o'clock and I excused myself and I said, Hey, Chris, um, I'm going to head home because I want to catch bedtime with my kids. The next morning he told me, he goes, you know, one of the things I love about your company is I heard that from two other guys besides you last night. The fact that you value your family and that's important to you, that makes me want to work with you guys that much more. And I think so many entrepreneurs don't realize the power in being so intentional about that. It actually draws people to you. It doesn't push them away. You're not sacrificing business when you do that. So that, that would be kind of my parting advice there. Well, I think that's awesome parting advice. I think all of the advice that you shared today is so valuable. And it's just really awesome that you are so open and honest in discussing fatherhood in your experience. You know, not many men will hold themselves in a place to allow for vulnerability and exposure. And, you know, because you're doing this, because you reached out to Taylor when you saw him post something, you know, personal on Twitter and had a conversation about fatherhood, you're kind of bringing this awareness and setting an example for fathers today. Um, but again, not just the fathers of today, the fathers of tomorrow for for our sons, for your sons and all the young boys that will one day be dads. So the more that we can influence our children, the more that the, our partners, our husbands and dads today can do that for their children, the better they will do for generations to come. So thank you for doing that. And we just want to acknowledge that you are impacting many families just by keeping it real and doing your best. So well, back at you, back at you, Lord. And I, when Taylor reached out and he's like, Hey, my, you know, my wife does a, a podcast for moms. I'm like, so I of course did like what any human being does natural curiosity. I like, you know, pulled up the website and was just looking at what you all were doing. And I'm like, Wow, how cool. You know, not that you don't already have enough going on being a mom, but to do this, do this as well. And I think it's awesome that you all, I'm sure you've, you know, I run a podcast. And one of the things like running a podcast is like how you grow as a host. Like, like you all are getting exposed to all these ideas that are making you better moms mm-hmm. and, and wives, I'm sure as well. And, it's just cool that you're doing it. And same back at you, like the one thing that'll be here when it's all said and done is the only true legacy we're all going to leave. It's our kids and and how, how they act when we're gone and then how their kids act and those kids act. And like, to me, 
you can make all the money in the world and yeah, you could like put a wing up at the local library with your name on it. But the stuff that's really going to matter, the true legacy is your kids and their kids and how they, what they do in the world and how they interact with the world and how they treat others. So kudos to you guys for doing thank this. Thank you. Well, thank you. So lastly, what is on the horizon for you? What are you excited about? And where can our audience find and follow along with your message and your business? Whew, what's on the horizon? Well, an amazing date night tonight <laughs> where everyone can find me. So my website's bradleyjohnson.com. So it's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, um, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And that's where my podcast lives and um, an article every once in a while that I decide to, when I actually decide to write, but mostly podcasting. And um, for those that are interested, I did a podcast with Jim Shields where we really go into kind of the framework of the family board meeting if they want to check that out. I think that would be an awesome episode to link to. So we'll make sure to do that in our show notes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Brad. And we'd love to have you back. Anytime. Love to come back. Thank you. Moms, what did you guys think about today's episode with Brad? He had incredible resources to share. And honestly, we can't wait to sharing them with ourselves and our family. So Lara, what was one of your favorite takeaways from our conversation with Brad? Well, I really, really loved the whole idea of putting your rocks on the calendar and those rocks being your family time and kind of taking a look at the year ahead and treating those big parts of what is important to your family as you would a business situation like a conference or a big meeting and just putting that on your your calendar right away. I think it's so important and valuable. And we kind of do a similar thing like that in our family, but we'll definitely be incorporating that more, especially as our children get older. Yeah. I like that he called them rocks. Like it's super visual. So it's, it really is a good reminder how important it is. It's the foundation of your family. Ooh, I like that too. I really liked one thing he said at the very beginning, which was he felt kind of underprepared for this parenthood thing and didn't know anything about it. And he's like, let's hire a coach. Like he just went straight into basically, well, how can I learn? How can I make this better? What can I learn for my community? Because he really shared so many great resources. Mm-hmm. He had so many books that he, he really did. liked. Was there anyone that you liked best or remember that he mentioned? Well, he mentioned a lot of great books, but I will just kind of let our audience know that I have already read the book, The Family Boardroom by Jim Shields. And it's just really, really great, especially if you are a parent that has a business that is really hard for you to turn off and is something that you're not just walking away from at the end of the day and is lingering in your head like, how to approach your family with the same quality as you would your business. Yeah, I ordered it actually already. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I really liked was just when he talked about kind of making sure that you have one-to-one time with your spouse, regardless of the season, going through kind of a busy season myself with my husband and having a young baby and another young child, it's hard to have regular date nights. And, you know, those moments that we've been taking and setting aside just to go outside and take a breather once the kids are in bed or getting that date night or whatever, I think it's so important. And I loved how he... It was just so refreshing. I mean, clearly he's successful. He could probably take his wife on any date or they could do anything. But what they needed in that moment was just one-to-one time to connect and sit down and like get in their pajamas and watch a movie at home. And like, you just have to figure out a way to make it work. Yep. Every day, right? The yeah. Balance. Something. 
I really appreciated when he mentioned the accountability boards that he had for his children. I grew up with a chore chart. We all had one taped to the fridge. And I really liked how it was visual for the kids that they could sort of be in control of what reward that they got and helped keep them accountable to get done what they need to do to be a contributing member, to be a Johnson kid, right? To work together Mm -hmm. as a team. So I thought that was a really good and easy sort of simple thing that's probably been around a while, but he was able to use it in a way that really helped move his family and his team forward every day. Yeah. And he used a point system to get his kids excited about being kind to other people. They get points for that and then they get to go use that for screen time. I mean, it's, I don't want to call it bribery. Um, Motivation. It's motivation. Exactly. Um, It might feel like rivalry right now in my family just because my kids are so little, but um, motivation. I think it's wonderful. And then, you know, honestly, what he's just doing is modeling amazing behavior for his children and modeling behavior of love and kindness to his spouse for his children to look to, to eventually make them better parents um, and better people and contribute in this world in a good way. And I love that his kids are keeping him in check. Yeah, it was great. So mamas, what did you like best from this episode? Did you have the same aha moments that we did? Do you and your husband practice parenthood with any of these same tools or philosophies? Or are you getting started on implementing them right now? We want to know. So make sure you follow along with us and talk directly with us on Instagram. We are at generation.mom. And that is where we lean on motherhood experts and our own experience. Most importantly, your personal stories to learn and share more tips on how to be the best versions of ourselves. So make sure you do that and then get to know more of us at our website, www.generation.mom, where you can subscribe to our emails and more. And as always, if you liked today's episode, please show us some love give us a five-star review wherever you listen and share this episode with another mama. Cheers, mom. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint. For access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from our show's guests, visit bradleyjohnson.com. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners. It really does help. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. The information and opinions contained herein are provided by third parties and have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Advisors Excel. The guest speaker is not affiliated with or sponsored by Advisors Excel for financial professional use only, not to be used with the general public or in a sales situation.